All right, Stefan, I think it'd be really cool if you gave the new CEO, Johann Zeitz, a message in your native tongue of, of German and maybe give him a little encouragement or some type of message. Uh, my German. My German is as bad as my English is. Uh, okay. I hope not. Yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> okay, uh, lieber Jochen, wir sind alle froh, dass du und dein Team die Geschicke von Harley jetzt leitest. Uh, wir lieben die Marke, wir lieben die Produkte und wir wünschen euch viel Erfolg. Auf geht's, Backmas. I don't have to bleep any of that out because of profanity, do I? Uh, no, you don't, but you have to practice the pronunciation of the name. It's not Johann Seitz, it's Jochen Zeitz. Okay, well, let me try that again. So, Jochen Zeitz? Jochen, the Jochen was pretty good. Zeitz with a Z. <laughs> okay. Jochen Zeitz? This, this is never going to work. Okay, forget it. I'm done with this German thing. guys we want to welcome you out to Laidlaw's Harley Davidson podcast episode number nine and today we're going to be talking about a pretty hot topic I think that is discussed a lot among Harley Davidson riders and that is suspension and today we've got kind of a special guest here he comes a long way overseas from Germany and yes yeah, so we have Stefan on the show here today so thank you for joining us today Stefan thank you for having me yeah and um, he, he's an enthusiast big time he's got a, a 2019 CVO road glide and he likes a comfortable ride. And um, so he's done a lot of his own research on suspension. And so he's going to kind of contribute to our conversation as well. Of course, we have Keith Hurt here as well, who has a long history, obviously, in the <laughs> service department and, you know, doing suspension, everything you can think of, most every brand out there. He's installed it. He's ridden on it. And so he's got, you know, a pretty qualified opinion on the whole suspension thing. So yeah, I'm excited about this one, Matt. We, uh, I've been, this has been on my list for a little while, as you know. Um, to try to like get into it and really like uh, break it down the best we can. Obviously, we can't cover every possible combination, but uh, we're going to do our best to uh, to to hit it, hit what we can, and I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions. But we'll answer those as they come up. So yeah, and I think a lot of people have questions about you know what suspension to buy, and we're going to cover obviously that and it's kind of some questions you can ask yourself to determine what the best suspension is for you and your application, what type of riding you plan on doing. Um, but you know, first off, so you may ask why, why is, who's this guy, Stefan, that's here on the, on the show. So <laughs> some, some have seen me maybe before yeah? Yeah, not he, on the show. Yeah. He's actually appeared on the YouTube channel before, um, when I was getting Wilbur's installed on my, my bike, actually it was a demo bike at the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Stefan's actually a, a viewer of the YouTube channel and funny story about him. So, you know, I've run a couple different suspension setups on my bike. I had Fox, which was great. I had Russ Wernamont, which was great as well. And Stefan kept telling me, hey, Matt, you got to try Wilbur's. And I was like, Wilbur's? Who's ever heard of Wilbur's? I've never heard of this, like, obscure. Who needs Wilbur's, yeah? Yeah, who needs it? We got all these other brands that have all the marketing behind them and the brand recognition. And so, uh, you know, I kind of brushed him off for a long time. You know, sorry about that because, you know, Stefan's actually a really good guy. We're friends now. But um, he he was pretty persistent and finally to the point where he's like, hey, you got to try this stuff. I'm going to give you a set to try on your bike because I think – the type of riding, riding you do with your wife and everything, uh, this is going to suit you really well. 
And so he, yeah, he, he gave me a set and I had it installed first on a demo bike, which was on a video on the YouTube channel, wrote it a couple of times. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is actually really good stuff. And it's, you know, both front and rear suspension. So you change the springs in the front and then, you know, shocks in the back. We'll get a little bit more into it in a minute. But um, then I had that suspension. I liked it so much. I had it transferred over to my white streak lab, my 2018 AKA the storm glide and I ride with it now and my wife rides with it and it self adjusts and I love it. So, um, anyways, it, during this whole time, we've talked quite a bit about suspension and the pros and the cons, mm -hmm. not just about Wilbur's, but, um, yeah, pretty intellectual guy. And we've had some pretty good conversations about suspension yeah. and, uh, Stefan kind of does his own work as well. And in, in his, his, I'm assuming your garage, right? Stefan's garage. That's, that's the name <laughs> of my small business. I started it in addition to my regular job. Uh, but, uh, you know, I have so much fun in, in wrenching on bikes. So I'm doing all the maintenance on the bikes of my friends. I upgraded before I started the business five or six bikes up to Wilbur's or different kinds, my own to Ölins before. And I just like wrenching in the garage. So the, the tool set is pretty complete and it's just fun. Yeah. So kind of um, meditation for me. Uh, that's, how it all, yeah, that's how it starts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put a link to Stefan's garage up here in the corner. So yeah. if you guys want to check out his YouTube channel, you can check that out. He's right now growing. What do you got, like five or six or seven videos up there at this point? Or I think already 10, but I had, to okay. had a long break of about 10 weeks because uh, now I'm working on my small business and on the regular business Your as well. It was, it was kind of trying to, to figure something out, trying to get used to, to editing programs. But then I realized that it's quite a long way to get 100K subscribers and I <laughs> won't live that long. Yeah. Uh, so I focused on different things. Um, you might notice a little difference when you're watching my videos in comparison to professional videos. So <laughs> I didn't realize, I never realized how like uh, much production goes into these things, but we've had a few people in and like Jeff Holt was here and he does a lot of social media yeah. and uh, he's like, man, you guys have a three camera setup. And I'm like, yeah, Matt spends like a whole day editing these yeah. things. I didn't, I had no idea, you know, like how great we have, how yeah. great of a setup we have. It took me 10 hours to make a 10 minute video, <laughs> uh, 10 hours. So yeah. that's, uh, in, in that time I've, I've converted five bikes or yeah. like that. Uh, so. <laughs> We're lucky. We're lucky yeah. to have Matt well, yeah, all this equipment. It's definitely something you got to learn. And, you know, I've been doing it for a little over 10 years now. So I started off as a newbie and kind of sucked at first as well, but. We've progressed. We've come a long way since then. Yeah. And, and production value is important. So, um, so let's start off, Keith. Um, let's start off. Kind of, I, I think some of the big questions we're going to kind of answer for people is how to tr how to determine if you need suspension in the first place. And you know, there's a million different types of suspension out there. How do yeah. you choose the best suspension for yourself? Yeah. So let's. You know, I thought I would start off with by kind of you know framing what we're going to talk about, and we'll get into details. And as we go along, you know, Stefan has. Um, some input and I'm sure you have questions too, but the first thing I want to emphasize everyone is like, there's no silver, there's no silver bullet when it comes to suspension. There's no magic pill. There's no, you know, this one, is the number one, yeah, one for side, everyone. Yeah, one size fits all. Yeah. yeah there, there is no, that doesn't right? exist, doesn't fit, yeah. which is good and bad. you know, mm -hmm. it's good because there's a lot of options out there. It's bad because everyone always asks me like, Hey, what do you recommend? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what kind of writing do you do? Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that too. Um, and also like the suspension completely changes the way the bike feels. I mean, 100%. If you've never ridden uh, a bike that has, you know, a nicest tuned suspension on it, um, it's a whole different thing than what you feel when you're just, you know, get on your bike that's brand new and you go ride it. Um, and Matt and I were talking about this earlier and Stefan and I too, just before this, that 
um, if the suspension, if you haven't ridden your bike and you haven't actually had it like uh, adjusted to you, the, especially the preload, um, which a lot of dealers are not good at that. Mm. Um, they'll send a bike out with no preload. And then like I was telling Matt earlier, you know, first thing you do is you go home and get your wife or girlfriend or whatever and get on the bike. And now you're adding, you know, more load and you go for a ride and then she's riding around and you're, she's like, wow, this thing is really rough like this and she never rides with you again after that yeah done and and it's a simple and especially on the new bikes it's a simple two minute thing pop the saddlebag off find the suspension adjustment adjust the knob on the touring bike anyways um and you're pretty much in the right area as long as you're you know follow the little chart in the manual and stuff like that or get someone at the dealership to do it i try to do it for our customers that i come in contact with you know that i know we're leaving um just as like you know a little bit of detail and makes it feel a little bit better i think or i hope you know on their ride home that they they're not like bottoming out or whatever and having you know these questions about why does this thing feel this way you know or whatever yeah, a um, lot of people don't realize that there is uh, adjustment preload capabilities on a harley davidson yeah. a lot of people that doesn't even trigger in their mind yeah. that hey this thing needs to be adjusted and it's, for ne- my weight. it's necessary because i I rode a lot of rental bikes here, <laughs> and the saddlebags are not with the with the quick disconnects. Yeah. they are fixed with uh, like with, with nuts. You can't you can't remove so people them. Can't yeah, it's like a them. it's like a anti theft hardware they put on them. Yeah, for, yeah. for the for the bags, but there's no way to to uh, right. to adjust the preload. So yeah. it's you, you just have to be lucky to to get yeah. one that that uh, suits your way of riding. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in case you guys don't know, the adjustment on the touring bikes where you adjust the preload is behind the left saddlebag. Right. So without being able to take the saddlebag off, that makes things kind of hard to yeah. adjust the suspension. Yeah. Yeah, so like I want to emphasize that, you know, it definitely feels different, changes the way the bike feels and and you know, we'll talk about how, you know, uh, you want to choose a, a package that's uh, for your intended purpose. What are you trying to do? Like how what kind of riding do you do, you know, What's your style of riding? What kind of roads do you ride on? All these things. Or, you know, what do you want it to do for you? And then, you know, um, we can get into that in, in a little bit. Um, but in my experience, you know, there's two reasons people really want to work on their suspension. Number one uh, reason, and the only reason I say it's number one is because it's easiest to explain, um, is looks. They, they want a certain ride height. And when you want a certain ride height, the quality of the ride a lot of times doesn't matter. So you're going to put a lowering kit or a shorter shock it's going to diminish the, you know, ability of the, of the suspension to absorb the road. But those guys that are in that category, they really don't care about the way the ride feels. So these are for guys that are, like, really short. You know, a short inseam, and yeah, they and can't touch. They, they can't have their heels on the ground. And so they feel like, yeah. okay, let's lower this thing so I can feel more confident by keeping both my feet planted. Yeah, and ground. Harley riders in general, they, they default to what they know, which is, like, a, you know, lowering blocks or whatever. They have, There's, like, these kits that kick back the shock angle, which I do not in any way – you know, recommend or endorse. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. They're, they're not good. Yeah. They're garbage. Uh, the good news is there's been a lot of movement or like, you know, innovation in that kind of category. And, um, we'll talk about one specifically, which I dealt with or talked to a customer today about, um, which is the I ride from, uh, Thunder Max. So that one is an electronically, uh, controlled suspension. It's a, one shock is an airbag and the other one's an actual conventional spring. Um, and you can actually program it to when you come up to a stop, it'll actually drop. Okay, and perfect. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and so uh, this particular customer, he's about five foot three or four, and you know, short inseam. Um, and he said, "Hey, I, this is my issue, but I don't like that height when I'm riding down the road." I go, "Hey, I know what you need. Yeah. Let me show you." And uh, so that one has three different positions: one for uh, street, like city riding, and one for highway riding. So it was a good fit for him. 
Um, it's not perfect for everyone, but for his, you know, stature of trying to be, yeah. you know, low and touch the ground, that's it's a great product for his situation. So um, when there's looks or low or height involved, um, it's the same thing with handlebars. You know, it's like, you, why are you changing the handlebars? Oh, I like the way the ape hanger handlebars look. I, okay, well, what size do you want? I mean, there's no the comfort one. involved. The biggest one. Yeah, yeah. 18s, yeah. 20s, whatever. You know, uh, you know, if I can just say something real quick. But I get a lot of guys that feel like the bike has to be lower than it really does. There's a lot yeah. of guys that come in here, and maybe they, they're not the most confident skill for riders, and that's okay. You know, when you go to a big, maybe you're coming from a, a lighter dirt bike or a sport bike or something like that, and you get onto a Harley, and they feel real big and heavy and intimidating, and people really feel like they have to have both of their feet really fat, flat and planted mm-hmm. on the ground. And, and that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes I think rider skill can kind of make up for your, your, your lack yeah. of height. And Definitely. so, you know, one of the things that I think – Keith kind of alluded to, but didn't, you know, expound on it is when you go lower in the suspension, people don't realize you are really diminishing the ride quality of that yeah. bike a lot. And yeah. so what I see a lot of guys do is they go lower than they, than they need to. Sometimes guys lo- go lower on the bike and they don't really necessarily need it and they do it. And then they're riding down the freeway at 65 miles an hour. And that thing just turns into a, mm-hmm. you know, a pogo. And yeah, there's a couple of reasons behind that. We could talk about it. And number one, you know, one is that when you most uh, manufacturers when they offer a lowered shock they increase the spring rate so the springs it's it's really like uh, stiff mm-hmm. and because they're trying to res- they're, they've now diminished their travel of their suspension by half or whatever they have yeah. and they're trying to resist it from bottoming by giving it more spring right and so like you see these inexpensive you know shocks out there that are like really oversprung and there's no control of the rebound dampening on them so the sus- the suspension cycling really fast. Um, that's part of it. And, you know, so backing up a little bit, like when guys come to me and ask me like, Hey, I want to lower my bike. I, my first question is, well, why do you want to lower your bike? Um, and if it's, if it's a comfort thing, I normally will tell them like two, two, two things right out of the, the chute. Do you have the shoes on that you ride in? Number one, because a p- good pair of boots can make up a big difference from a pair of tennis shoes. So if, they ride in tennis shoes. Okay, cool. If you ride in, if you have your tennis shoes on now and you're, but you normally ride in boots, well, that can make a big difference of your foot placement and how, you know, low you need the right. bike to get. Mm-hmm. Number two is your seat. So the seat, a seat's a way easier modification than a less expensive anyways than a suspension is. So I'll always talk to them about their seat. Hey, what about your seat? Is your, you know, do you need that much seat? Are you willing to sacrifice some, you know, foam to get you down lower? Um, and after we answer those two questions and if we still need to talk about suspension, then we start talking, you know, what the options are as far as getting the bike lower. Um, I'll try to offer them something more quality than just, a, you know, those kickback devices, which are not good or like a really inexpensive shock, which is everyone's default. You know, they go for the least expensive, you know, method. And I yeah. try to warn them like, hey, this, you know, this the ride quality on this isn't going to be what you're. What you what you're expecting, especially you know? you're, you're you're losing lean angle yeah. a lot when you mm-hmm. when you Good go in canyon roads or yeah. the the roads in the Alps. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're gonna scrape boards. A big, a lot yeah, sooner. there's a lot of lot of more. There's a lot more consideration. So there's that in, in that category. There's those lowering kits, and then there's the air, the air rides. Everyone wants to talk about whatever you know flavor brand you want to talk about. Legends was famous for them for a long time. They still offer them. Um, there's high low. There's shotgun. There's there's a million of them. Yeah. Um, most of them in my experience are, uh, are like, uh, modify or basically like a direct transfer from a car air shock, which is a whole different application. Normally there's a spring involved, like a, you know, coilover spring or a leaf spring at least, um, to, you know, 
give it it's a meant to be a booster for those kind of suspensions and not so much the dual the sole suspending member mm. of a of a chassis. So, you know, those things they do adjust the height, you know, you can move them around if you you know as you want to. Um but again the ride quality is just not not what you would want or what you'd expect. So I just wanted to get those out of the way because they're pretty easy to explain off. You know, like if, if you're in that category, cool. You know, we can, we have stuff to offer you too, but there's really no, you know, what we're more going to focus on is the quality, improving the quality of the ride of your vehicle and not so much the height, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, or if, if you have a different opinion, but usually with the air ride stuff where you can, you know, fill it up mm-hmm. or, or bring it down, I usually tell people that's really good if you have like a low rider at the, and you want to like show off your bike yeah. and, you know, slam it down. But if you're just looking for performance and comfort, typically there's better options out there. Yeah. Um, I just feel like on those air rides, you just have more uh, lateral, lateral movement, especially going through turns. It feels like the tail end's a little bit looser. Yeah, not, so. a, not only that, but like they, um, and air, so you're filling a, a bladder with air, right? Um, you have limited control over that. You can, you can like, if you were like, when you look at the gate, the ones that have gauges, the gauge is constantly moving around as you're, mm-hmm. as, as it's, you know, going down the road. The reason behind that, you don't have control over the actual like inertia and the movement of the, of the members of the, the, the chassis. It can only, you can only like put it to a certain PSI and it, but it's not going to stay there when you, when you hit a bump and something compresses, it's going to increase in that. Um, there's no control over that bladder expansion. So that bladder is just going to, it's like a b- air balloon. It's just going to get bigger and smaller mm-hmm. as it, as the, as the suspension moves. And it, it's very, there's very little way to control that. It just, it depends on the road and what it's going to hit. Now with like a traditional, like hydraulic and spring suspension, you can more accurate, accurately control what the suspension is going to do, you know, given a set of, you know, parameters or a set of, you know, uh, of, of variables, you can get it, you can get it a lot closer than just an air suspension. That's just doing what, you know, just moving bigger and smaller as it needs to be more static system and ride less yeah. variable yeah. yeah based on you can control road. the variable the road variables more or what how they how they actually act on the vehicle i know? think the air rides are cool for show bikes because yeah. you can lower them when they they are in front of the cafe and they look beautiful with the big yep. rear tires and just just uh, yeah. half an inch of of clearance between between the rear fender but uh, yeah Ride-wise, I think they are no match for for other su- no, suspension systems. But that's Agreed. not what they are designed for. Because nope. uh, if you want to be beautiful, then you are beautiful. But you have <laughs> other mishaps, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well yeah, we're gonna more focus on that. You know, the improving the ride quality, which is the people that are gonna really be interested in this are gonna be the guys that are want to make their bike ride better and feel better and do what they wanted to do, you know, better. So um, it, just breaking it down, there's really you know, two areas we want to talk about shock absorbers is one and they come in, you know, a couple of different, you know, styles and flavors. You have your standard or heavy duty shock, which is normally just like an, you know, a regular emulsion shock that has a preload adjustment, but really nothing else. Um, you can change the springs on them if you want to, or you can change the, the basically the uh, height of the spring to give it more tension or less tension um, for preload. And then uh, moving on from that, there's the what we call a piggyback shock, which is like it has a remote reservoir, but it's part of the shock body. It's built into the shock. Mm-hmm. Um, you see those on a lot of, you know, Dynas and Softails even. Um, actually, the later model Softail, they do more of a remote reservoir situation, which is the next version remote reservoir you hear these terms a lot um, where you know you have like a 
Olin's is famous for them because they, they're out in the open on the touring bikes. They mount them up high, and you can see them real good. Um, but, like, Wernemont does them, too. Wernemont has both piggyback and on the soft tails, though, they run remote. So they run it off the side of the swing arm. So Just real quick, Keith, and we don't have to get into the weeds yeah. on this, but explain what that is. So I think a lot of times people see those remote reservoirs, and it's kind of like, okay, that looks cool, and that means that it's high end, but w- what does that really do mechanically for the, um, the There's there's extra oil in them normally and some and pressure uh, that are pressurized uh, some in some designs um, to basically, like, cool the suspension. It really came from – it started from, like, a racing background. Um, yeah, from the off- off-road rally cars. Yeah, exactly. Cars, thing, yeah. yeah, cars, and any off-road is where it really, really started, um, because of that suspension cycling so much, so fast, and it's building up friction and heat, um, and they need the oil, the oil is the only way to really cool them besides whatever air is getting around them, um, but they're moving around so quickly that they heat up, and so they need that extra volume of oil to keep them cool, kind of like an engine, you know, when you put in uh, an extra oil tank, extra oil yeah. tank or extra yeah. oil pan, it gives you a little extra cooling effect. Um, and then now some of the late, some of the manufacturers use them to uh, house their adjusting, you know, mechanisms, um, compression, you know, and uh, rebound dampening and stuff like that. Rebounds more normally on a shock, but more compression dampening. Um, and then some of them are nitrogen charged. You know, just depends on what technology they're using or what design they 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 decided to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to cover that real quick because a lot of guys have questions like, what does that mean, remote reservoir? What's, pi- yeah. what's piggyback mean? I don't understand what all these terms are. Yeah, so so maybe let's let's start with you know how someone can determine you know if they want if they need suspension first of all and you know I, I think you know I'm going to link a video as well in the top left hand corner as yeah. well probably like right about here uh, Keith and Jamie and I we did a video on how to adjust the soft tail suspension the yeah. new the new Monoshock when it came out in 2018 we also did a, a video about that the same touring, video yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah how to adjust the suspension on a stock touring bike so the stock suspension on a soft tail and the stock suspension on a touring bike. So check that out. You got to, you know, be realistic about your weight and your passenger weight and adjust it. I, I would say start there first and, you know, adjust the stock stuff and see and make sure it's dialed in correctly for your weight. And if that still isn't good enough, then should they start to consider uh, aftermarket suspension, Keith? Yeah, like Stefan was talking about earlier before we started recording, you know, like, and I, and I mentioned earlier, ride the bike. Let's, let's, you know, I normally tell people, let's get the suspension adjusted to you if you haven't already done it um, and then go ride it and then, Based on that feedback, it'll help me, you know, uh, uh, help me make some recommendations as to where I think you need to go. There's certain, you know, words that people use, you know, like you were talking about pogoing earlier. That's one that commonly comes up, and that's a good, that's a big indication of, hey, that spring's too much. It's too much preload. Or, or it can be too much preload coupled with not enough control over the rebound dampening, which um, Legends does a good, they were the first ones that I came in contact with that their, their Revo A-Shock has adjustable preload and then they don't mess with the uh, the um, compression dampening at all just the rebound dampening so they're able to slow this they're able to slow the cycle rate of the suspension down um, considerably which helps when you're you know going over like those roads we have around here like there's a lot of little bumps in them so like you know when you talk about the suspension working it, you hit the first bump it's going to try to compress it mm-hmm. so the first thing you're trying to do is control that you know, movement of compression. And you compress, yeah, the spring. Yeah, rate. and then the second thing you want to control when we talk about rebound is how fast that's going to try to return to its resting state. Um, and that's, you know, honestly, you know, one of my one of my complaints or one of my, you know, bones about Harley-Davidson suspension is it's their, even their premium suspension, it, it they don't control the rebound very well, and it, it, it does that kind of choppy pogoing 
you know, effect over the same bumps that you'll ride a bike that you can tune the, the, uh, the uh, rebound a little bit, it feels completely different. Yeah, and I feel like they fixed that a lot in the 17 model year when yeah. they came out with the Showa dual bending valve. I had a 14 Street Glide, and which was the first year of the Rushmore project, and I felt exactly what you were describing yeah. at the front end. I felt like the rebound wasn't really good. Like it, it, the wheel would like almost bounce, especially mm-hmm. when you're coming from a standstill, and it wouldn't keep that contact patch, the, the yeah. tire against yeah. the asphalt. And um, then in the 17 model year when they came out the new Showa dual bending valve system, I feel like that has a yeah. lot better controlled rebound. Yeah, uh, dual bending valve you're talking about is the forks, fork stuff, but they did improve the shock also. Okay, you're talking yeah. about shock, okay. So they, they, did, they did actually, in I think it was 17, they they improved the shock. Um, actually, they made the body more robust, and they actually made the spring a little bit, a lot better. Um, it made it a little more, brought it more in the usable range before it was a little bit too soft, I guess. It was moving a little too fat, too much. Um, and so the later model, like 17 liter shocks, are de- far superior to what, what they had before. But, yeah. uh, but uh, still... If you're happy with the stock yeah. suspension, then just leave it. If it's if it's set properly and you are fine, then leave yeah. it. I, I rode five years at 2011 Road King Classic, and I was happy. Yeah. And then I started to think, well, mm, I'm not happy anymore. So what do I need to change? Yeah. yeah. So that, and that, this was on your. You had a soft tail slim, right? No, that's that's one my my wife rides. Okay. I had a Road King Classic. classic yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you yeah. said that. Uh, and then I converted it to Earl, to Olin's, uh, but nevertheless, the stock suspension. For the first years, it was okay for my style of riding. Yeah. And then I got more confident. I started to ride a little bit faster, still going old man uh, speed. Yeah. But then I realized, no, I need to change something. I want to change something. Sure. So, but and, and that's a big point, I think. And it's something I don't want to jump ahead, but we'll get into. You know, A lot of these guys, they'll buy this over-the-top suspension because it's mm-hmm. the priciest and it looks the coolest. And you can brag to your friends about it. But is your riding ability, can you push your bike hard enough to where you actually utilize the full benefit of that suspension? And for some of these guys, I'd say probably not. You know, these some of these guys aren't riding hard enough to get the full benefit out of their inverted front end, you know, old yeah. shocks. Yeah, but they like the style. Yeah, yeah. So, style. So, so that's, that's, yeah. The, that's the the whole point. And there's, yeah. yeah, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, it does look cool, you know. It Olin's, definitely does. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, looks, looks cool. cool. It looks performance, and Olin's done a great job of marketing, you know, and they sponsor a lot of riders and, and racing circuits and stuff, and they have that gold color that's very distinctive and, like, kind of, you know, gets you that feeling of, like, wow, that thing must be really cool because it's a really cool color. And they're great, and but the I guess the point there is, like, most guys, you're right, Matt, probably aren't riding that suspension to its potential because it has an immense potential. Yeah. But my point with any of those guys would be, like, let's make sure it's adjusted to you. Mm. No matter what kind of riding you're doing, yeah. if you decide to change, like, so you're, like, the the biggest, like, advantage to a really high-end suspension like that is yeah. I ride like this on the street all week, and then I go to the track on the weekend, and I need to stiffen my suspension up. I need to change all the settings. That They're crazily adjustable that way three-way adjustable they got all every thing covered that you can imagine um and then you have your different suspension setting for the track you go to the track dial in your you know your uh, your adjusters dial in your preload and you're you're good to go so that's kind of one of the features that you get when you spend more money on your suspension is that it then becomes adjustable adjustability, I, I think, yeah. you know generally speaking the less expensive suspension you can't have you don't have that adjustment ability and so if you're someone that rides kind of the same all the time that isn't that guy that rides normal on the street and then goes to the track and needs to, you know, dial up the stiffness mm-hmm. on it. Um, if you're not one of those guys, then maybe you don't need to spend, you know, the money and get the very best. Yeah. Um, yeah take the soft tail slim. So it's a single rider bike, 
So if you're not changing your way of writing, it just needs to be set perfectly to your type of writing and then there's no need for upgrades. Yeah. And the aftermarket companies hardly offer anything for for those soft tails because customers don't need it usually guys yeah. aren't like trying to like rip on their yeah. soft tail yeah. slam through the cans I and mean, it's already pretty low yeah. you know yeah. bike talk a little bit stefan because I, I, I like to hear you know from a, a, cu- a consumer like a customer mm-hmm. perspective kind of like your progression through your different bikes and you know, you've got a 19 uh cvo road glide now which is kind of the holy grail of the, Harley. Red, it's the red pepper so the <laughs> unicorn <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so lucky to get it and it was before COVID, of course, because in 2020, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have spent the money for it. But uh, last year, it was okay. And now it's in the garage, so we're going to keep it. Um, well, it started a long time ago. I started riding Harley uh, about 12 years ago, mostly rental bikes. And uh, during my, uh, my layovers here in the United States, it was beautiful. I got used to Harley. I got used to the way of riding a Harley, which is different than riding a motorcycle, just to be honest, it's a different way, and I don't want to miss it anymore. And then I, in 2011, I bought my own Road King. And beautiful bike. I did a lot of customizing. I went to your store before this, this whole YouTube thing was, was up the market. <laughs> we, we were on a family vacation. We yeah. just uh, left LAX with a rental car towards Big Bear Lake. And then after one hour of intense LA traffic... Yeah. I saw the late loss Harley Davidson <laughs> sign. I said, okay, girls, we're going to stop there. <laughs> oh, no, come on, daddy. Don't do that. And it was, was just a Saturday when you had an, an open house, a nice, oh, okay. a nice show, and my girls won a Barbie out of the, out of the, the Tombola. And I oh, had raffle, yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and I had about two hours of undisturbed Harley shopping here. There you go. Uh, and that's what I remembered when, when I saw the YouTube videos. So, and... Uh, I mentioned again, I was quite happy with my 2011 Road King. But after a couple of years, I wanted to improve something. And by that time, the only thing my dealer recommended was Erlins. So not the golden stuff, which was way above the top, considering the price and the style I wanted to keep. I wanted to retain the stock look of the Road King Classic. So I I changed uh, the rear shocks, normal ones without piggybacks, and did some cartridges for the front. Mm-hmm. I did it in my garage, thought it was the first time that I uh, upgraded the suspension, and it was a really big improvement. It took me quite a while to find the perfect setting yeah. for my way of riding, uh, doing a lot of adjustments. Now I had to remove both bags because yeah. there had been symmetrical shocks in the rear. Right. That was kind of a pain. Mm-hmm. And when my wife or daughter wanted to join me, I had to find the setting for the two-up riding. And I had to remember when the, it was in short notice, uh, what's the difference? Yeah. So I forgot it a lot of times and then, oh no, it's still... You feel it right away. Yeah, yeah. it's still on two-up. Uh, I need yeah. to stop uh, in order to to get it set right. But it was a beautiful set. And uh, then one or two years later, I, I got to know this new German company. Well, it's in business for several years, but not for Harley-Davidson. They made a lot of aftermarket shocks for all different bikes, yeah. uh, metric bikes, uh, BMW. And uh, they, they had this new system with the leveling uh, damping control. Yeah. Uh, the automatic leveling, which they, they took over from the car industry, um, that automatically adjusts to the to the load of, yeah. of the bike, and I thought, oh, that's something new. 
that's magic. Yeah. I, is there any electronics? The same thing that that you asked me when yeah. I when I first introduced it. Uh, no, there's no electronics. Mm -hmm. Does it work? I don't know. It's it's a lot of money. Sounds yeah. gimmicky when yeah. you don't know the. And it's sign. it's a lot of money. Normally, you have one shot when you do an upgrade because I had the Ulins shot and that was it. But a friend of mine has the same bike, and he said, well, "I want to give it a try." And so this is when you saw the Road King, or this is on your Road Glide? That was the Road King of my friend. Okay. So the first bike that we actually transformed onto Wilbur's. And by that time, it was already time for a new bike. So sometimes it is time for a new bike. It doesn't make sense at all, but I was kind of fed up with the black of the Road King and all the nice chrome. And uh, when, <laughs> I, when I rode in the rain, it took me three hours to get everything shiny again, yeah. which it has to be. <laughs> uh, and I saw the pictures of, of the new Red Pepper uh, CVO Road Glide. And a friend of mine had the, the uh, Gunship Grey one. Nice. And uh, I was able to ride it for one and a half hours in the Alps. Yeah. And I thought, it's a cool bike. It's a totally different style. Yeah. My wife says, that's not a Harley, it's a grandpa bike. <laughs> but I say, I don't care. Nah. <laughs> it, nah. it, has, it has to fit the rider. The rider has to love it. And so uh, I thought, well, okay, how can I finance it? I need to sell my Road King, which the... the uh, seller was quite happy about the suspension upgrade with Orleans and then I signed the contract for the for the red pepper and I already ordered a set of Wilbur's mm -hmm. mm. before the bike was even here yeah, yeah. So you, did you ride it stock ever or yeah okay that is, that's one that's a good point too like I noticed uh, like a lot of guys that um, get tuned into the suspension world they 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 either try to transfer their suspension from one bike to the other or they they know right away that they want that they want the su the suspension done on the bike. They, once you're on that track, like there's no yeah. there's no going back. <laughs> and I yeah. I rode the gunship, which was the stock suspension. It it was in the Alps, Canyon Roads, a really really bad surface. So the speed limit was forty miles because of the rough road, and I needed to stand up in the saddle mm. because. Yeah, the Road Glide CVO. It's it's a style point with yeah. a twenty inch front wheel. There is hardly any suspension travel left right yeah. and for the customers out there we all know it but we like the style yeah. yeah so but it was just it was just not my kind of of suspension so and i i got experience about the wilbur's already by that time so i ordered the kit i had it in the garage it was waiting for five months because my cvo was one of the last ones uh, shipped to europe i got it in may and it was released in september uh -huh. so okay. quite a long time to wait yeah. for the bike and i yeah. just picked it up at the dealership rode it home stock and the first thing in the evening until three in the morning <laughs> I, I, I converted the pipes to legal uh -huh. european uh, flap operated pipes and i converted the suspension uh -huh. yeah and from that day on it's still not an adventure bike which is not supposed to be yeah. right but it's just my perfect bike and that's yeah. all what you ask for as a rider yeah yeah Stefan brought up a couple of good points i want to amplify because uh this is some questions that a lot of people have they they think that they're you know like olin's is a we keep talking about them because they're they've been out around for a long time there's there's degrees of suspension in between like a, a stock uh suspension and the high end inverted you know remote reservoir shock setup yeah. 
There's uh, cartridge inserts, which he which he talked about. There's um, other type other shocks that are you know offer other things than the you know the uh, big big adjustments and everything like that. So there's pretty much every manufacturer has degrees of of suspension. It's not like you know one or one or the other. There's some are adjustable. And yeah, they all offer different um, functions. Like there's different as you go up in you know kind of price or grade, then you get more adjustability. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good. That's a good point. You know, and kind of goes to you know one one thing I would, that we really try to emphasize, which is you know um, buy pick a suspension that works for your 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 uh, predicament or your riding style and also your your budget. You know. Um, Budget's a big thing. Like suspension could be expensive, you know. Yeah, when you convert yeah. one of these, you know, like the most expensive ones are when you convert one of these touring bikes into an inverted Olin's front end. You're talking about triple trees. You're talking about forks. You're talking about brake uh, componentry and all That's kinds of stuff. Seven, eight thousand dollars. Yeah, seven oh, yeah. or eight thousand bucks. You know, just in the front you're, end. You're financing yeah. a second bike right yeah. there yeah. for a new yeah, set of and forks. That, and like you just said, said earlier, you know, not everyone that has them is riding them to their potential. If you just want to have it, then let's 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 get it. But you know, there's a lot of things in between where you're at, not where you're at when you get the bike stock and that big of an upgrade that mm-hmm. are less expensive and can do just as just as good for you to you know to, if you're not riding that track or that super fast style um, that you don't really need that you can get a you know less expensive suspension that'll do everything you want it to do and f- and still feel great and not spend all that money on it, you know? So yeah. I want to make sure to make a point of that. And Stefan was talking about a little bit when he's talking about his, his road King, you know, those, the, in, there's a lot of inserts out there now for the fork. The, and like Matt, you were saying the, the uh, dual bending valve was a big upgrade for the stock suspension. It helps it work a lot better. Um, we could talk in at length about that thing. It's, it's, there's a lot of like a uh, technology and there's a lot to understand when you, Talk about how that valve works, which we can you know, we can discuss in the chat if people want to ch- talk about it. We're not going to talk about that here, um, but there there's a lot of those insert you know cartridges now that are some of them run use oil and some of them use nitrogen and some of them use internal dampening and you don't really need much oil only to lubricate them. Um, you know every every company has theirs like uh, Olin's has their Nix 22 and Nix 30s for the inverted fork. Um, Wilbur's they go with the spring, which is a great way to do it it's inexpensive but you can control a lot of the front end action and they're already you taking advantage of the dual bending valve they're leaving it in place yeah you have, you have all the good components yeah. you, you just add a very precise spring to it yeah. which is ex- more expensive than the stock uh, yeah. spring because all the stock things they they need to have a certain quality they need to serve all different kinds of riders yeah. and they need to serve a price point in order to make the bike not more expensive so yeah. and uh, if the manufacturer chooses a much more expensive spring and a different oil, then you already get a pretty good uh, improvement. Yeah, so they pair up yeah. a really quality spring with a really quality oil um, that, that's tailored for your weight. Right. I think that's really important. You know, yeah. when I when I wanted the Wilbur's, not, not the front spring. Okay, the rear. The, the rear is tailored, but okay. the front is always the same okay. as your weight doesn't have that much effect on the front. Yeah, on, on a Harley yeah. because you're you're sitting yeah. laid yeah. back, so the, the the weight on the front is is pretty similar even if you're riding two up. Yeah, Harley okay. Harleys are rear weight biased. They're most of their weights towards the rear, which is why there's always so much you know discussion and so much concentration on the shock because it's the more active component of the. Mm. The front end the, or the uh, suspension. The front end absorbs a little bit of the initial shock, but 
the the shock uh, in the the rear shock absorber absorbs the majority of the actual suspension action, you know, yeah. on the Harleys, and you you know, weight bias is another you know factor that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, like the you see that more prevalent in the uh, in the Dynas that raise the rear end up, or the soft tails now they're raising the rear end of them, or the or the tour the performance bagger market where they're running extended shock lengths in the back to kind of try to even out the the chassis a little more. Um, and then when you're doing that, you're putting more more demand on the front, so you're gonna want to you know beef that up a little bit more and make it a little you know a little bit more adjustable and compliant because you're gonna need it because now you're evening out the load of the the uh, the, the chassis between the front and the back. But like you know cl- like like Stephen's saying the the rear is it the Harleys are more rear weight bias, yeah. so they, that's why like you know um, I, I said earlier you know there's no silver bullet, but you know. Not that this is a Wilbur's commercial, but theirs is the closest to an all-around, you know, suspension upgrade that you can do that's user-friendly, that's adjusts itself um, hydraulically that you, you know, and I I didn't really have too much experience with them. We put a couple in, but I wasn't really involved in them until the last one we did on on uh, your, your friend's bike. Yeah. And Jamie, who's our shop foreman, um, he's very, he's a race tech certified, you know, Mm. suspension tech he's a off-road racer off-road dirt bike rider and um and more than that he's very demanding of products he's like he's and he's he's really honest about his opinions about stuff so i didn't uh, he was doing that job coincidentally and so i said hey man i want to hear your feedback like what is what do you think about this i know we've put a couple of them in but you've never done one he's like yeah i, I understand you know what they're doing but you know let's see how it feels because for him that's the ultimate test and i know he told you too but when he came back i said how what do you think he's like dude that is a very, very nice riding suspension uh, and a great upgrade for anyone's, you know, a bike uh, and very user-friendly. And it does exactly what they say it does. You know, it hydraulically evens out the ride height. Um, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. You know, once you put it in and, you know, get the preload set up, you're pretty much good to go. I mean, yeah. yeah it's And it doesn't matter if you're riding one up or two yeah. up. I was so disappointed when we, when we did the install and the, the video down in the shop it was the only day that it was raining mm-hmm. yeah. and i was so limited with my schedule you know to get yeah. here and we just missed doing the the two-up riding for the video yeah yeah because it was just it was raining there was no way to to get the video done that day and then when i saw the video a couple of days later i thought oh Matt missed one of the most important parts about the mm-hmm. wheelbars, and that is the self-adjustment, which yeah. you told that to me, but, you know, I have so much information I know, I know. coming in yeah, and out of my brain all the time. No like, offense, no offense. And then yeah. then I, I just happened to be, to be here one year, uh, one year, one week later, and we met you at the shop, and I said, well, Matt, cool video, but you missed the important Let's try thing. again. No, and then, yeah. then just on the way to the dealership, I thought, well, uh, we could have demonstrated it just in the showroom, just hopping on the rear a couple of times and then mm-hmm. measuring again and see yeah. oh, oh it has it has lifted yeah, yeah but I, I didn't have that idea the week before yeah and then, and then you wouldn't have missed it their yeah, video true. true their video on their site actually um, I, I think I don't I can't remember if the audio is in German I think it might be but regardless it, they do a really good job of demonstrating that they actually have two people on the bike and there's a ruler on the side and with a pointer. It's moving around, but you can see very clearly that when they first get on the bike, it dips down pretty mm-hmm. good. And then when they start moving, 
it's gr- it yeah, after like gradually, five or six yeah, impressions. Yeah. It gradually moves it. up. Yeah. Yeah. And back to where it initially was, which, mm-hmm. you know, like my point there is for a, for a person that wants to upgrade their stock suspension, they like the ride height the way it is and they want to make it feel good and, and, you know, compliant and, you know, give you that feeling of I'm stuck to the road. That's a great suspension upgrade. I mean, it's, it's and, a good yeah. setup. If they want to retain the stock look. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's nothing, f- n- nothing fancy about it. it Correct. It's, it's hidden behind, behind the bags mm-hmm. because it's not the most beautiful suspension. Yeah. So it has to be hidden behind the bags. That's why they only offer it for touring and, and not for, for uh, sportsters mm-hmm. or the old diners because it just doesn't look right if there are no bags. Yeah. And, yeah. and the fork looks exactly the same. I, I just right now, as I'm starting the business, I put some Wilbur stickers on the oh fork yeah. in order to make people know, oh, there's something different. This yeah, because otherwise, powered by Wilbur's. Yeah, otherwise you, you, you wouldn't see it. And, yeah. that's, and yeah. that's kind of the, of the nice thing because I'm, I'm not the performance bagger guy. So yeah. I want to have the, the stock look. I do respect those guys with the, with the high performance uh, upgrades and I like to watch those inverted forks. Uh, yeah. But they're just way too expensive for my bike and I don't like the style. You, you don't ride to the limits that yeah. require uh, you to have something You, like you that. shouldn't have mentioned that. I mean, I, I said it the nicest <laughs> way I could, you yeah. know, and majority of the time I don't either, so I don't, uh, but, you know, I, if someone gave me one for free, I wouldn't turn it away, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, but I like would love for, to have that. You know, for a street motorcycle, a touring rider, you know, the guy that's going to, you know, doesn't want to have to worry about adjusting a bunch of things and changing ride heights and things like that, I mean, that's a great, that that's where that product hits hits the niche like it's it for the guy that's just gonna wants an upgrade to make it feel better that's gonna be riding on the street that that kit because it's it's a balanced front and rear setup is great and that's key too Keith. i think you know and i think we should give some people some practical knowledge here where they can kind of make a self-assessment of what they have currently and you know if they feel like they should upgrade and what does that upgrade look like if they feel like they need to make an upgrade so i think the first thing that a lot of people do if they just want to improve the comforts as you kind of talked about is you know, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the touring chassis. It's changed the rear so- the shocks. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of guys buy the street glides and the road glide specials. That's the number one best-selling touring bike. And what people don't realize is that is Harley-Davidson's lowered touring shock. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to, like, the Road King, not the special, but the regular Road King has the standard touring shock, like the, the Limiteds mm-hmm. and the Road Glide Limited has the full uh, travel. And a lot of right. guys get on those bikes and... They aren't really happy with the suspension travel. Well, Harley's trying to accomplish a couple thi- things. They're trying to accomplish a low seat height so a lot of people can fit on the bike, and they want that cool custom bagger look where yeah. it's a low and profile. And it has to be low, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's kind of a, a, a style thing over a, a functional thing there. Um, and and I, I personally don't like that. I like to have the best comforts. I ride with my wife frequently to where I like to have the adjustability aspect of the Wilbur's and so, you know, I've, I've done the, the Fox shocks, which I got a really nice bump, you know, from that. The stock suspension on the street glide is 12 inches, and the Fox bumped it up to a 13-inch. And, you know, that helped out a lot considerably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but going back to the point you made, Keith, there's no substitute to having a front and rear suspension designed together where they both work in harmony with one yeah. another. Yeah, but it's getting more expensive. Yeah. You have to pay for it. Yep. Um, you got to pay so for if, it. If you're budget limited, then just changing the rear shocks makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And if you go for better, for more improved suspension, then you have to spend more money. Yeah. And then there's nothing better than, than a balanced 
full mm-hmm. suspension front and rear. And be, because yeah. people like to hear prices, so you can get a nice pair of rear shocks, like a Fox or Ross Russ Wernemann or like a Legends. You know, you can get those for about eight or nine hundred dollars for just a set of yeah. a rear yeah. shocks. Now you go to something like the Wilbur's, which is the full package. We get the front and the rear. Um, you're looking now at about eighteen, nineteen hundred U.S. dollars. Yeah, uh, eighteen, right? eighteen before tax. I think it's yeah. seventeen ninety something like that. Okay, about eighteen hundred dollars, yeah. and it, it's a long way to get it from Germany over to here. Which <laughs> is actually, I mean, but in the scope of like, so comparing apples to apples, you know, and in, in the scope of of comparing that to another suspension you're going to buy that's going to do this, do the same thing that it does or similar, you know, with a little more input. Um, I mean, like a front end cartridge, for instance, is like. Twelve or fourteen hundred dollars, like from Legends, for instance, is like a fourteen hundred dollar cartridge, mm-hmm. and then the shocks, you know, eight or nine hundred bucks. So do the math there; you're well over two grand um, yeah. for the same kind of upgrade that you're going to experience for you know eighteen or nineteen hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars less. You know, yeah, with the, with with the, the Wilbur's, you're just looking at the spring that you change in the front yeah. forks and the fork oil, and then you have the full shocks in the yeah. rear. Yeah. And so the reason, part of the reason why, like a full Legends front yeah. rear setup is much more expensive is because now we're talking about a cartridge. Yeah, because the front is much more yeah. expensive. But the, the the simple Wilbur Spring doesn't look too fancy, but it works so well it as it really as well. it is so balanced with, yeah. with the rear ones. But once again, you you have to look for what what your budget is, what what you're trying to get, and then pick the suspension that you like because yeah. it's your bike and you have to like the bike. No matter what brand it is, if it just fulfills all your needs, then go with the brand you're happy with. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Stefan and I were talking about this earlier too. One thing I did want to mention because there's a lot of people that are, you know, depending on your situation, um, if your bike's new, then you don't have to worry about these items as much. But um, as the as a bike ages, as the miles go on, you know, the springs start to you know get less tension. The f- the bushings inside the forks and the springs wear, and things start to wear. And you get this like declining progression over time of suspension performance that you might not even notice because it's so gradual. So like you know, a bike that has like fifty thousand miles on it, yeah, you, um, you, you get used to it. You're riding yeah. it every day. You get used to it as it's declining. Yeah, it, it happens it, slowly. It's kind of so. slowly, and then one day you notice it, and then your first, you know, as a customer, your first reaction is, "Oh, I need to upgrade my suspension," mm-hmm. and that might be true, but. The, you know, the, you need to pay attention to the maintenance first, like your engine mounts. Some of the older bikes have rubber engine mounts. You need to make sure that they're in good shape. You need to make sure that your swing arm bearings are not, you know, compromised in any way. Like, they'll get compromised from uh, if you pressure wash your bike a lot or you're, you ride it really hard, um, they, they can wear out. Um, the wheel bearings is another one that people don't consider that they wear and they get messed up yeah, and they give you a weird feeling. Yeah, everything has to be tight before yeah. you change components of the suspension yeah. Yeah. and the number one the number one thing is and i ta- I've mentioned it before here and i mention it as many times as i can is tires and proper tire pressure right like 90 percent of guys that present to us like hey i have a handling problem with my bike a wobble or whatever nine times out of ten i'll go out there with the air pressure checker and it's at least 10 pounds low i had one mm. today yeah. I rode in, and he hadn't ridden his bike in a while. He's like, my bike feels really weird. Well, guess what? He's got like 10 pounds of air in the front tire and about 20 in the rear, which is way lower than it ever should be. Perfect yeah. for off-roading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah you can, you got to have a tire, uh, a, yeah. a compressor. If yeah. you're a, a Harley rider that gets out frequently, you got to have an air compressor in your garage. Yeah, the tire is an active member of the suspension. It's yeah. the number one member of the suspension that's touching the road. So I mentioned that only because, like, you know, I don't like to lead people down a road that they don't need to go down if they don't need to go down it. But those are the things we 
check out first when someone says, hey, we have a, I have a suspension problem or I think I need to upgrade my suspension. Well, how many miles are on your bike? Let's talk about it, you know, things like that. And then, you know, we start, once we establish those things are good, then we can start talking about, you know, what we want to do, what's your budget, what are you, what's your intent, what are you going to do with the bike, how do you ride, do you ride two up, you ride solo, all these questions that start to come to the surface when you start talking about, you know, how are we going to upgrade this guy's suspension? You know, talk yeah. about maintenance too. I mean, they change every 10,000 miles is when you're supposed to change the fork oils, right? They change that a um, couple years, more every than a couple years back. 50,000 miles, yeah. I think it is right 50? now. 50? So okay. uh, that's, that's the motor company's stance on it. And I don't but know where uh, Stefan stands on it because we didn't talk about it, but my personal... Change, you know, it, change it earlier. Yeah. I, I'm, I made a nice video about one of my first customers uh, changing his uh, 2010 Ultra uh -huh. to a full Wilbur suspension. And he had 40,000 miles on the bike. And oh, I told yeah. him, well, uh, we might need to change the bushings of the front fork as well and do a complete uh, fork yeah. job. Yeah, okay, yeah, we can do that. Uh, shall I get the parts? They are pretty expensive in Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, OEM, Harley-Davidson, uh, fork rebuild kits. No, no, I, I know somebody. I, I will get everything. And then we started to disassemble it, make the video, and then he just got the the seals, the seals but yeah. not the bushings. Mm. And the oil was so dirty and ugly; mm -hmm. it smelled. So it was yeah. it was uh, <laughs> the time to change it. And then I saw, oh no, he has just the seals. Okay, I want to I want to finish the video, and then I put the parts of the fork together and thought, well, maybe we can do it. And then clack, clack, yeah. clack. No, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do it as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We stop, stop here, show stopper, get the <laughs> proper parts and we continue tomorrow. I'm not yeah. going to upgrade your suspension because you won't, yeah. you, you won't feel it. Right. It, it yeah. will be still the same. It doesn't and lose shimmy in there. Yeah. And, and he was so happy. He took the bike out in the rain. When we finished the next day, he, he made the test ride. He was smiling all over his face. Yeah, but so at least changing the bushings would have already yeah. made a big improvement, and the rest was done by the by the new suspension. Yeah, so like Stefan said, like so here, you know, there's a difference between uh, like Harley Davidson's recommendations and shop policy. So like um, this is a good uh, we won't go into it deep, but this is a good discussion for later about service pricing and stuff like that. So like I, I as a service manager, set the shop policies. So we, um, at 20,000 miles is when we include into our 20K services uh, a fork oil change. And for that exact reason, because we've yeah. taken them apart at 50,000 miles and they are wasted. Mm -hmm. I mean, completely wasted. The oil's way beyond its usable life. The bushings are completely worn. Um, and yeah, I don't, I depart from Harley on that one. They did that quite a few years ago um, because they were taking some heat on the marketing side for, you know, price of, of, uh, of riding a Harley was it the, in the consumer's eyes was a very expensive. So this is when you see them increase the interval on the front end, which is an expensive, um, you know, service. And also in, you know, recommending that, Hey, you can let your transmission oil go 10,000 miles and you can let your uh, primary oil go 10,000 miles or actually transmission oil like 20,000. They say, now we don't do that. We change them. Every, we change those oils every service. And then we change the fork oil, you know, basically half the interval or, or better than half the interval that they recommend just because of what we've seen in our, you know, history. Um, and with the late model touring bikes, you know, at 50,000, they want you to disassemble the front end and they no longer have a fitting to lubricate the uh, fork neck. You have to take it apart and hand pack mm -hmm. the grease and everything, which isn't, as big of a deal. I mean, we don't, the bearings are much larger now and they support a lot more, you know, 
uh, duty cycle. So we don't see as much as we used to back in the day of, you know, messed up actual neck bearings. Um, but the fork oil for sure is is a big, big one that needs to be changed. That's early. one that gets and neglected. You have a lot yeah. of guys yeah. that do their own maintenance, mm-hmm. like change all the, the fluids, but you don't see them taking apart their front forks. Yeah, and my Harley's... Come on, come yeah. on, he has one. Okay, yeah. okay, well, you're, you're the exception. Okay. By, Har- by Harley's, you know, by Harley's rule and standards, that's okay. They, they'll allow that. Um, but then again, they don't cover wearable items. So like if, you know, something happens, if you, if, it, if your bike's still in two year warranty at 50,000 miles and you take your front end apart and realize that the bushings are worn, that's not a warrantyable item. That's a wear item. They're going to not cover that. Mm-hmm. So there's no responsibility on the manufacturer side by extending the interval. Nothing's going to per se break, but it's not the best representation of the way the suspension can work, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, it's anybody that's in that world of service and, you know, and suspension technology, that's too long. That oil can't yeah. handle that. And especially on the on the Rushmore Tourers, it's, yeah. it's compared to the older ones, it's so much easier to change the fork oil. Yeah. It, it was it was really a big job on the old Road King with, mm-hmm. the, with the old 41 millimeter forks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It took me hours. Yeah. Well, I'm not a professional, so maybe we have to subtract two hours. But on the on the new ones, it's it's so much easier with the 49 millimeter fork. Mm. Uh, it saves so much working time. Yeah, they made the removing the they fork. made the fasteners yeah. much more accessible. Yeah. So like the pinch bolts and stuff that you have to use to take the fork off, as well as they they did a good job of like uh, f- um, cutting down the amount of hardware on the fender and whatnot. And it's mm. a, it's a lot easier. The wheel spacing is a lot easier. Um, you know, like a lot of the bikes have ABS now. So that was a common mistake. People would mix up the wheel spacers because one was long and one was short and they get them on the wrong side and then their mm. brakes are all mashed up on one side. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't happen as much anymore. So they, they, they simplified the process of disassembling the, the fork. So there's really no good reason not to, you know, to, to do that. It, it's, um, it's just something that needs to get done. I mean, yeah, we do it every 20, 20,000 miles. And even at that, depending on the, the use of the bike and, you know, what kind of weight it's, you know, it's riding around with. It, the oil is questionable at twenty thousand miles, you know. So, but yeah, back in the day it was ten. Like you used, like you said, you know, it, on the forty-one millimeter front ends and you know, earlier, you know, vehicles it was ten thousand miles. Yeah, I think yeah. on my on my old BMW GS, so the nineteen four model year, it was the four coil. I think it was once a year or every two mm-hmm. years. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty easy to change, but nevertheless, it was a very very uh, yeah. short interval. Yeah. In order to make sure to have the proper suspension. Yeah. So, you know, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, ta- getting the right suspension that's tailored for mm-hmm. you, your body type, your weight, and, you know, the type of riding you're going to be doing. I think it's important, too, to kind of talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, the stock suspension. I got a comment yesterday on one of my videos, and, you know, people, you know, asked me the question, you know, is, I wish you could just buy a Harley and not have to upgrade the suspension right away. And yeah. I just tell people all the time, you don't, you have, don't to. have to upgrade mm-hmm. the suspension. The suspension on a, especially the soft tails now, and even the touring bikes, uh, is really, really good. I mean, it's high end quality stuff. You're not getting crap there at all. Um, but you know, a lot of the stuff that I feature on my channel, you know, especially, are guys that you know I highlight their bike for a reason. It's because they're in the top, you know, five mm-hmm. percent of, yeah. of handling and performing bikes on the road. Yeah. Um, if it was a stock bike that showed up to the shop, I wouldn't do a highlight video on it. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean you got to spend all this money on suspension. But uh, the point I wanted to make is to have a bike and the suspension that's set up specifically for you is, is huge. And, you know, Harley-Davidson ships all the same suspension out to everybody for a guy that weighs 150 pounds. And for the guy that weighs, 
280 pounds, you know, who's going to be riding with his 130-pound wife, you know. So it's hard to, you know, any manufacturer in the world to ship a suspension that's going to be good for the entire gamut, the whole spectrum Mm -hmm. of riders out there. And that works in Alaska and in Texas or Arizona. Great point. Yeah. yeah and so, you know, th- for those that don't know, you know, Harley's suspensions made by Showa forever and ever and ever. Amen. Um, they're not a retailer, really. They're more of a, you know, like a manufacturer style of company. Um, they deal in large volumes and stuff. Um, but like we discussed this earlier, Matt, you know, like if you and it alludes back to the last video we did with Nick about bike pricing. So we, we talked a little bit about componentry and research and stuff like that. We Harley could put a different suspension on with much more capabilities, but then the bike's going to be a twenty nine, a $20,000 bike's going to be a $30,000 bike yeah. real quick. And then people are going to be like, why is this bike $30,000? Well, right. Hey, you wanted the $10,000 Olin suspension on it. There you go. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I, I didn't know? want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, no, that, that's exactly. what's, what's starting that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the, it's a compromise. Like the suspension's pretty darn good for a stock suspension. Nowadays it, it's, it's pretty good. Can it be in better? Yes, it can be. Is it good for most people? Yeah, it's probably good for most guys, but not not everyone. It's not a, a universal fit. Like I say, and there's not there's no silver bullet. So, you know, it, sometimes guys ride in a style that those stock suspension can't you know can't uh, suit their needs, yeah. and then they need to make those upgrades. Um, so yeah, that that kind of it's a it's a double edged sword. So yeah. yeah, you can make it better, but it's gonna be more expensive, just like we were talking about and, earlier. And not everybody needs it. A, a good example is a is a friend of mine, a colleague. He's riding a 1988 Electroglide, uh-huh. and he just changed the mufflers, and that's all. And the rest is stock with the cassette deck and everything. <laughs> and he's happy with it. He's yeah. just riding it the way it's supposed to be. He's happy with it. I I don't want to sell him an an different suspension. I don't know yeah. if 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 there is one available at the moment, but yeah. he is just happy with it. Yeah. And uh, so don't change it if you're happy with it. Yeah. You know, you know um when you go and buy aftermarket suspension, they usually have their lighter shock and they have their heavier shock, you know, like Yeah, if, a lot if of times. You, if you get like, you know, like I, I mentioned I had, you know, the Russ Renamon, I've had Fox suspension as well and they have their their shock that goes up to about 250 pounds, and yeah. they have their shock that maybe it's 230, I can't remember, and they have their one that is anything heavier than that. Yeah. Well, that's because they're like we've been saying. There's people that have different needs, you know. And Harley Davidson, unfortunately, you can't click the the heavy or the light box when you right. buy your Harley Davidson. So, how are they ever going to design a suspension that's good in in all different applications? Um, and when I got my Wilbur's from you know Stefan here, you know I gave him. I mean, you guys are really precise. You want the exact weight of the rider with their gear on, uh, the the weight of the passenger with the gear on, and what percentage of the time you ride with the passenger. So we're talking about a suspension that is very tailor-made to your weight. And, you know, there's really no substitute to that. That's yeah. But, yeah. But, but, but you can still change it when you sell the bike because I just had, had the problem with another customer. I, I went to a dealership to introduce myself. And then, uh, you're with Wilbur's? No, I'm not with Wilbur's. I'm trying to sell. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, I'm, it's freelance. Yeah, but we had a customer. He has a problem. Uh, can I give you the phone number? Mm. And, and the customer just bought a... 2013 street light, so the old frame, the old suspension, yeah. mm-hmm. and it wasn't hardly doing any suspension mm-hmm. travel at the rear. And he made a, a picture of the of the warranty card with the spring rate that was that was uh, manufactured, mm. and that's a regular kind of shock. So that was before we was invented this the self leveling yeah. system. And then I I talked to the custom customer support, and they figured out well he got a really really 
stiff spring rate on the rear and the new owner he's he's a very light guy so about 150 160 pounds only and so they they just send him two new springs with a with a soft spring rate and i just get a message oh he's so happy yeah with the with the new rear shocks uh so you have to keep that in mind if it's if it's tailor-made for you it has to be easily adapted when you sell the bike mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. day. Yeah, and yeah. If, you, if you just have the heavy duty shocks because you are two hundred fifty pounds or more, and then you sell it to a to a more athletic guy, he won't be happy with the bike. Yeah, yeah and that's that's a that's a good point, great point, Matt. I'm glad you brought that up, um, which is what I wanted to you know put out there. Which is if you're in the market for suspension and you go talk to a shop or anyone, and they don't ask you those questions, like. How often do you ride two up? What kind of riding do you do? How, what's your weight? If they don't ask you those questions, be very leery of that. Yeah. Because those are important questions to to know when you're trying to set up a suspension for a customer. You need to know those things. Otherwise, you're you're never going to even have an idea what their expectations are. Yeah. Um, and so that and like if you know if they don't offer to show you how to adjust your sh your thousand dollar shock that you just bought, or yeah. they don't know how to adjust it. Go somewhere else. You're yeah. not going to get the full benefit of that shock. You know, no. there's a lot of guys that, you know, they come in, they ask me, hey, Matt, I want to upgrade the ride. What what suspension should I buy? Yeah. And it's like, well, how much time do you have, man? Because, yeah. you know, we can talk about this for a while. I, yeah, I feel so I feel so bad for a lot of, some, a lot of customers because, you know, we, can't con we can only control what happens in our own building, but I come into contact with them all the time. They have, um, you know, real expensive shocks, thousand, $900,000, $900 to $1,000 shocks. They're... Great adjustable legends, worn them on whatever you want to call it, and yet they've never adjusted them once. Yeah, I had a guy just the other day come in. You know, he's a converted customer from another dealer, um, and he came in, and I noticed he had legends on legends shocks on his bike. And I go, "How do you like the legends?" He's like, "Dude, honestly, I was going to ask you about that. Can you can you help me adjust them?" I'm like, "You bought wait these? A minute. Yeah, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. They didn't adjust them for you." And he's like, "No, I have no." I was like, "Oh man, come on." Yeah. So I said, "Hey, when you come pick up, we're servicing his bike. When you come pick up." Let you know. Let me know you're coming, and I'll spend some time with you, and we'll we'll set up your suspension. We set him up, and he lives um, in Acton, actually. Um, and he rode home, and he called me right back right away. Dude, that felt so much better. Thank that's you rad. so much for taking the time. That's rad. But my that's my point. Like you know, there's a lot of shops out there, unfortunately, that are selling these products because they you know make them money, but they're not spending the time to actually in, inform the customer and actually send them with a card. Like hey, because he rode, he doesn't ride too up often. But I knew he had his wife rode with him every once in a while. I go, hey, here's here's what you're gonna want to do before you get your wife on the bike. You want to grab this spring and give it give it you know this amount of preload, and here's the you know difference. And he's like, oh great, and he put it in his tour pack, and he was good to go. And you know, but yeah, knowing that kind of stuff and trying to service a customer is very important, especially like I said, if they're not asking any of the questions or they're not teaching you how to work your own suspension you know that, that i would be worried about that you can spend all the money in the world and yeah. it's not adjusted properly it's just like you know it goes back to the same old thing you can have the tool but if you don't know how to use the tool correctly then it really doesn't do much for you but yeah, so, yeah you mentioned tools too that was one thing you know before i forget about it um sometimes you know the shock these days it's a little more rare most of them you can do with by your with your hand um, but certain ones require sh spanner wrenches and, s and special tools to not damage the componentry when you're adjusting them. Um, and so that's a good point to make, you know, when you're having that conversation of how do I adjust my suspension? Do I need a tool for it? So you have that tool available when you need it. Most 
shocks um, come with come, come with, with a tool because yeah. they're, they're more expensive ones. They have to come with a tool. It's, yeah, it's, oh, exactly. it's part of the package. Yeah. Even the Harley ones, you know, like on when they when they uh, they changed on the uh, forty eight to their you know premium rear suspension. Yep. They had that little spanner wrench underneath the seat. Remember? Yep. A little, just a silly little steel thing that you know you put in there and and able to unlock the suspension and make the adjustments to it. Yep. Um, so the the tools aren't expensive, but they're necessary to actually make the, sh- the suspension well, adjustments. And, yeah, and on the soft tails right now, you've got three different adjustment types. You've got the one like mm-hmm. on the the Fat Boy and like the Heritage, where you have the external preload uh, knob there, and they have it on the Spark Light as well. So that, that could be considered a little bit more premium because you could do it on the fly. We don't need a, a tool to yeah. do it. But then the other two, you have to take the seat off. And, you know, yeah. one is hydraulic. And, you know, I, excuse me, the Heritage is actually a hydraulic yeah. adjustment. Yeah. Um, the Fat the, the fat Bob and the... Um, the Fat Bob, the Fat Boy. Yeah, the Fat Bob and the Fat the Boy. Spork Light. And the Spork Light all have the External the knob. knob, yeah. And then, like, the Low and Rider, the, the Low Rider S, the... Um, the Slim. The Slim. The Street Bob. Street so bob. the slim and the heritage are both the hydraulic adjuster, right? And then uh, yeah, the the street bob, like the slim, they have a wrench you have to adjust it. So yeah, yeah. Anyways, in the touring bikes, thank goodness have a, just a knob now, um, yeah. which makes it easy. You don't need a tool on the side of the road if you want to adjust it on the fly. Right. But I think I think the takeaway here is you know most of the time there's a chart and that gives you your weight and how many turns or what position you yeah. want the preload to be at. And you got to familiarize yourself with that. Yeah, every issue. manufacturer has them. They normally come with the shock, you know, when in the box. And if you just never open the box, there's a lot of guys just don't care about their stock shocks. They'll leave them at the dealership and they never take the box home. Um, they're all on their websites. You can access them and print them or download them to your phone or whatever. Um, but that helps out a lot when you're trying to like adjust your suspension on the fly or on your own. Um, and then under understanding how these all work, mostly it's preload that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get your compression and rebound on those kind of shocks that are, you know, tunable, you don't normally move them much unless you're changing your scenario as far as like, you know, road riding or track riding or whatever the case may be. So. Sorry yeah. guys, I can't follow you. I'm just out of adjusting shocks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but for the Wilbur's, the, the initial adjustment needs to be precise. Yeah. Because otherwise the system can't work. So. What you're talking about, adjusting the shocks there needs to be done in the first place. And as well, if a dealership uh, installs the Wilbur set without letting you sit on the bike to do the initial adjustment, then you better go to another dealership. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, and that's, you know, there's a, every every suspension system has its, you know, it's positive it, points. And, yeah. and it, it, it's own special things to consider. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, that now that's, an, uh, that's important. So, like, that's like I was saying earlier, the Wilbur's is good. You know, once you initially have it set up, it self-adjusts at that, after that, and you don't really have to worry much about it. It's kind of uh, super user-friendly where you don't have to think much about yeah. it. You know? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I go home, I'm riding solo, I ride home from work, and then my wife and I want to jump on the bike together and go down to the coast or something. I don't have to make any adjustments to the Wilbur's, yeah. and it's just going to self-adjust, and it, it, it works. I was actually kind of surprised. But yeah, it but it, it was Tony's good job. To make a very good initial <laughs> adjustment, otherwise yeah. it would still work, but it would it wouldn't work that good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess we sh- we should spend a little bit of time. I kind of made a short list of you know the manufacturers I know that are out there, and kind of gave a you know point about each one that's you know a positive um, point, including Harley. You know, their factory upgrade, you know, suspension. Um, it it doesn't compare well to what's out there now nowadays, um, but it is still good. You know, it's an upgrade from where the stock, you know, suspension is. 
Um, it's funny because the Harley rep was here a couple years ago when they first came out with their new premium suspension, and it just so happened that the Legends rep was here on the same day, <laughs> and uh, I rode. What a, co- what a coincidence! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I rode the factory bike. Uh, it was a, it was a Dyna at the time. Um, I rode the Dyna around the same test ride loop we have, which here we. For suspension tuning, anyways, we're really lucky because we have a lot of potholes um, and a lot of like drainage ditches and stuff that you can yeah. get a pretty good speed at. So you can get a really good, good feel good, for good it. Testing grounds around here. So I rode the Harley one and it, it was better, you know, than the stock one. And then I rode the Legends one and I told the Harley rep at the time straight up, I was like, "You want to know what you're going to be compared to? Go ride that bike." Yeah. And he wouldn't <laughs> do it, obviously, <laughs> but that's that's what you're going to get compared to. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. if if you're in that market. Then be in that market and make a premium product, and yeah, then you 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 want to fight with the, with the premium products, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then you know we are we've talked at length about Wilbur's. I mean, the best thing about that is their their big system is it's self adjusting. I mean, once you set it up, you don't have to worry a thing about it. Um, but you just get it for touring bikes. So yeah, no way to right. get it for diners, softtails, anything else. Which it's is a majority of the market, you know, right now us, in the yeah. U.S. Yeah, it's b- big, 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 big market, and then. We've talked, you know, several times about Olin's are kind of like, you know, I, I call it the gold standard because they are like the high end, yeah. you know, suspension they product. Are, they yeah. offer yeah. a lot of adjustability. Um, they have a wide range of products for a wide range of vehicles. They have certain key products for Harleys, um, which they're either like inverted or, or cartridge front ends. And then they have a wide range of shock absorbers, depending on what you want to want to do with it. Um, but they they'll do just about anything you want. Anything sh- you need. We should touch a little bit on performance baggers and kind of the application of these inverted front ends. They're getting really popular right now. And so we'll yeah, touch and on that a little bit. You're actually seeing, you know, wha- let's talk about it now. Okay. It's cool. Like, uh, you're actually seeing, you know, some uh, some innovation in that area too, like uh, with anti-dive technology that they're starting to adapt um, to the Olin stuff, which Olin's has had that on some of their, you know, like uh, um, higher end, you know, racing performance shocks or uh, front ends and stuff like that. Um, and Harley actually, I saw for the first time ever um, on when I saw the Pan America, um, the Pan America demo or you know, whatever you want to call it, display yeah. bike. Prototype. I noticed right away that it had anti dive and uh, that it had uh, electronically controlled suspension, um, you know, wires coming out of the top of the, mm. the fork. And I was like, all right, man, now we're onto something like they're going to actually step up their game big time on this bike. And that's really cool to see. Um, but yeah, even in the Olin's arena on Harley's anyways, um, there's a lot of guys innovating in the performance bagger markets huge right now. MJK is one I've seen a lot of lately. Um, they have a, they, they use a, a anti-dive situation on theirs. It's an anti-dive valve and it looks really cool and I'm sure it works great. He's got a track bike now for that uh, King of the Baggers uh, race that's coming up, which is ridiculously you know like Seika, you yeah. got baggers and that bike of his is something i mean i've looked at it on instagram a few times i'm like man this thing is like it's totally redone i mean the rear the frames redone the rear sections redone everything's been done on that bike it's a beautiful machine and they have them riding on the track and it's 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 putting it's laying it down so yeah and it's funny how you know a lot of people will say like well isn't that kind of an oxymoron where it's a performance bagger bagger yeah. they're kind of supposed to be these grandpa bikes that you know you just cruise and you tour along, along the freeway yeah. but it's really cool kind of how you have this uh, emergence of this trend which i'm totally on board with because i ride a bagger yeah. and I'll, i you know i don't ride slow either and so you know i, I rode you know if those of you have seen my 131 road king special video the other day uh customer of ours who uh, jim who let me b- ride his bike he had the kraus inverted mm-hmm. front end 
which, which is also Olin's 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 yeah. Uh, yep. Front, yeah. yep. And um, it, it was awesome. It was fun. And um, yeah, you can ride that bike harder and faster and faster yeah. through the turns and you can stock by far. So yeah, like we were talking about, like the, so the performance bagger, that's a popular mod is the, you know, inverted front end. And the advantage there is you're, you're transferring a lot of the weight that's um, we talk about sprung and unsprung weight. So there's like, and you know, suspensions, you're talking about reciprocal weight, weight that's moving around and weight that's actually static. Um, so you're transferring a, a fair amount of the weight that's normally moving um, in the actual fork itself up to a static position above the, you know, moving components or that, the leg or whatever. You just answered a really good question I get asked yeah. a lot. You know, people see the inverted front end, they hear it a lot, but yeah. kind of people are like, well, what's the point of flipping the, the forks upside down? That's part of it. And then the other part of it is stability. Yeah, like, you, you got a much, a much stiffer yeah. uh, fork tube. Yep. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the fatter part. Yeah, the, the fatter part. Is yeah, so it's not so much yeah. of a concern on the street, but like when you're going faster and faster, you know, the, um, the, as great as the Harley Davidson stock forks are, they're kind of weak, weak link is the tube, the, the wall thickness of the tube is kind of thin. Um, and it, it don't, it doesn't flex as much as like, uh, like a 39 millimeter used to like on a sporty or a Dyna or whatever, but there's a fair amount of flex at, you know, like say 90, 95, hundred miles an hour. Um, and then, you know, in factor in like the, you know, the forces of a turn or whatever, and the forks can actually kind of, you know, flex a little bit independently of one another. And you eliminate a lot of that, or if not all of it, with the inverted, inverted. front end with a more stout, you know, uh, non-moving member of the f- of the uh, suspension. Yeah, you know, another thing that Stefan said earlier was you can really increase the lean angle of these as well. You know, yeah. we did that performance bagger on mm-hmm. a road glide, I want to say yeah. like five or six months ago. Yeah. And um, I think we did like a, we did the Big Bears. So uh, yeah, big, big Bears doing a lot in that in that realm. Um, so when you talk about those front ends, you know, first thing is they, those two, those uh, forks do not fit in a stock tree because they're larger. They're like normally like in the 50 millimeter range of, you know, actual size. Um, they don't fit into the tree. So you have to have a, a custom made set of, you know, fork brace or fork brackets or triple trees as we call them mm-hmm. um, to house those or to retain those, those forks. So, you know, Big Bear is one of those companies that's doing it. Um, Kevin over there, he's actually doing uh, extended. So he has an extension kit for him. Which raises the whole seat yeah, height. Yeah, which raises the, the whole up, seat height of the bike. He, which allows you to lean even more. To yeah, the I believe <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, and he'll probably chime up in the comments because he's, he's active on uh, on his social media. Um, I think they offer it in stock height. Uh, I want to say two and three inch. Okay, over, that sounds right. Over heights, mm-hmm. um, as well as a they 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 um, sell a corresponding uh, height um, increaser for the rear shock. So the Olin's actual rear shock, uh, the the remote reservoir ones, you can you can tune the height of them to a certain extent. But I think it's only like an inch, and you have to add, if you want to go higher than that and you want to level it out. Say you're doing two like on that bike, we did two inches in the front. Mm-hmm. Two, or, actually, I think we did three. And then Which we, you got to be taller. Yeah, you know, when you're raising. So I rode that bike, and it, when I was moving, I was good to go. But when yeah. I came to a stop, I was like dirt bike style, one like side, yeah. on one leg. Yeah. Um, and it you know performed well. But yeah, for me, for usability, it, it's it's not feasible. It's it's a fashion trend, and yeah, those bikes look cool. They do perform, and there's a specific type of rider who loves them, and the others admire it or hate it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. They, they look cool. Yeah, totally, they do. Totally. They do look cool. Which, yeah, Jeff talked about that on the podcast with, when we did with him. Like, they're trying to establish like a matrix of what actually defines a 
performance bagger versus because it gets a, overused way yeah, too much. Yeah, because the term's been like really overused. Yeah. Yeah. So they're in a they're out there in Arizona and they're they have a motor guy, uh, motor witch that's in their shop, and they they're they're like actually they they have discussions about this stuff. I saw Jeff today actually, um, and they're they it's dyno it's uh brake testing and suspension testing and yeah. lean angle testing like they, they're coming up yeah. with this whole plan of how they're gonna like have this leaderboard of like and then <laughs> you have a certified performance yeah player. right <laughs> that's, the, that, that's their idea yeah. but that's um funny. but yeah so going back to you know those inverted you know front ends um and the adjustability is there too you know you can adjust the preload you can adjust the compression and rebound dampening which is what um, you pay for with that tall yeah, price which is, tag which is yeah. what you pay for and you're you're good able to tune the suspension to your you know your riding style so uh, it's more prevalent you know in the in the the mountainous areas like where we're at you know and the people are up there in the canyons getting after it on their big you know 900 pound <laughs> baggers <laughs> and you, you got to use some you know you got to get a better you know setup to if you're going to really ride like that you really need a invest some money in your suspension yeah and you better go to a close track otherwise you find some new friends like uh, you did recently <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah. yeah i don't know what it is lately i just had bad luck with yeah. uh yeah local law enforcement but, but yeah like we, we said, support local law enforcement by yeah. the way though yeah. <laughs> yeah especially you do yeah yeah like stefan said it, it's partially a fashion statement yeah. and partially you know for certain um, for a certain segment of guys it's actually like a usability adjustability rideability situation that they're trying to get into um and yeah there's 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 stuff going on there too and it they're great they run they, they'll do everything you want them to do man like and, and more and you know that i mean you've written them yeah and i'm glad you brought up style because that is kind of a big component of yeah. it you know when we had our performance background there on the floor um, it was it, about one year ago wasn't it yeah about yeah. that yeah. yeah yeah they you know we had the big old fat remote reservoirs gold right above the saddlebags there and i'm just like oh yeah that looks so sexy but we had people come in and say like what is that? What is that? What does that do? That looks so yeah. stupid. Yeah. I'm just like, it's not for everyone. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Like that is, that's badass, man. What are you talking <laughs> about? Dude? Like that's awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody. And I, I guess you got to take an inventory of how you're going to ride the bike and what your budget is and to determine, you know, if it's for you or not. But yeah. yeah so that, and that's, that's a hot topic because that whole segment's, you know, a hot topic right now. That's what everyone's into. And that's whole why yeah. they're having that King of the Baggers race, just to see how bad yeah. they can make these things and how yeah. fast they can make them go. And, and the whole bike thing is not necessary. It's yeah. it's lifestyle, yeah. right? Uh -huh. Like it's all different styles of bikes, all different brands. Yeah, nobody needs it. Uh, there's no reason, especially in Europe, when it's raining, to get on a bike when you have the car. Yeah, so it's it's just an additional way of transportation. Yeah, and just as yeah. you Enjoy know, it, just yeah. to yeah. him up to him up the Olin's you know conversation. They they're a great marketing company. They sponsor a lot of a lot of riders, a lot of races, a lot of you know they're they've been out there a long time. They've in, they have a lot of innovation. They're kind of on the leading edge of stuff, um, and so they they do a good job at marketing, which is a big component of the suspension world. Because like like Stefan was saying earlier, you know, besides having the stickers on his front end, you wouldn't know that they're modified at all. No, you know, only if you yeah if, if, if you it. sit on the bike exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's feel, you know, and that yeah. the seat of the pants is a big one. It's a big marketing you know factor. So. Kind of moving on from Olin's, you know, there's a little legend stuff, which is really high quality. It works really well. Um, they have shocks. They have a regular shock. They have their Revo A shock, which is I was talking about earlier, which you can adjust the uh, rebound dampening on. Um, then they have their uh, their newer shocks. It's like a piggyback shock that you can actually change the uh, compression dampening and everything onto, um, as well as they have a, a pretty there's, – there's a non-adjustable um, front end or a cartridge insert for the front end. You set up the preload um, with it. It doesn't rely on the oil for uh, 
for dampening. It's actually internally dampened with uh, gas pressures. Um, so you basically set the preload on that, put it in, and there's really no maintenance to it. There's a little bit of oil. I want to say it's like seven or six or eight ounces, something like that. Mm. I can't remember. Is, is that the Axial? Like what yeah, Axial. Yeah, That's so I just Jed posted a video has. yesterday on a low rider S, yeah. and Jed has that Axial front end, yeah. and it felt good. It yeah. felt really good. He's got rust ornament on the rear, and yeah. that was just a really nice, compliant, comfortable ride, you know, yeah, both on the freeway and in the turns. Yeah, they're they're good, and, you know, they, they use the oil just to lubricate the internal components and keep them as, you know, not too not too much cooling going on, but at least lubricated. Um, they work good. They're, they're a good drop-in setup if you get the preload right. Um, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to do pretty good with those ones. Um, and then since you mentioned Russ Rennemont, you know, their Russ's background, we know him really well. He's, you know, done, we've partnered with him on a lot of these fairing bikes and stuff like that. Um, but their suspension comes from an off-road background. So um, there's like 10 suspension adjustments, everything from completely locked out to like it's there's no movement at all. And he accomplishes it th- solely through the valving movement of this adjust one adjustment that they actually have besides preload, um, which is amazing. When I, I was like, you can lock this thing out completely and, and then go all the way soft just by the flick of a dial. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, d- he demonstrated it really handily and i was like wow man that is insane but it comes from a a off-road background so he's heavily into um into the off-road you know truck circuit and razors and side-by-sides now they're doing they're doing a lot with razor suspension Mm -hmm. um uh so yeah that's where that comes from but um they're really popular because they're cool looking you know and and you the for the stunt guys because they sponsor a lot of the stunt rider guys they can completely lock their suspension out which is an advantage when you're trying to pop a wheelie you don't want your suspension moving at all you know and when you want to do a you know a roasty burnout and get your wheel wheel on wheelie on that's what you want, you know, and that, that shock has that ability to lock it. That's the only one that I know of on the market that you can completely simply just reach out. down and lock yep. your suspension out completely, which, you know, Fox has that capability on their mountain bike shocks and stuff like that, but not on their, their, their vehicle street shocks. So that's something that from the mountain bike world, you know, they, you can lock the suspension out when you're hill climbing or whatever, cause you don't have any wasted energy yep. when you're, when you're trying to pedal. Um, so there's that. And then like you mentioned Fox, which they, they're, their stuff's kind of on the level of legends. It's, you know, really adjustable, really nice, looks really nice. It's real pretty. Um, will can do, you know, pretty much anything you want to do with it on the street. Um, and work works really well. Um, as well as a progressive, they've been out there for a long time. Um, the nice thing about progressive is they, they still offer a lifetime warranty on their shock that goes with the shock. You know, you buy the shock today and you sell your bike to another customer and it starts leaking they'll take care of it no problem um they have a wide range of you know they have a wide range of offerings everywhere from the low low end budget stuff to you know high end you know piggyback uh they have remote stuff too um but it's it's a it's it's not as technologically advanced as a lot of the other systems that are out there they're a little more rudimentary um, a little more simple you know um, and they, they do require a little bit more adjustment. They're not as, not as just, you know, put it on and forget it as a lot of these other, these other ones are. And then, um, I spoke to, about it a little earlier, which is, uh, some of the, electro- electro- we're starting to see emergence of electronic, you know, components coming into the market. Um, that Thundermax iRide is great for shorter riders that want to ride a bigger bike and they don't want, they want to be able to plant their feet 
and then, you know, have the ability to jack the bike up and get the lean angles and the suspension and when movement. When you take off, doesn't it automatically yeah, it pull auto- the suspension yeah. and bring it's you with up? The, with, the, with, the, with the speed. It's speed sensitive. Oh, speed sensitive. Yeah, okay. so it plugs into the actually actually the speed or the, uh, the uh, data port on the actual bike, and it interfaces with the vehicle speed. Um, I want to say it's 25 miles an hour. It starts to move up. So the primary yeah. customer you recommend that for is just someone that has a short inseam yeah. that wants to be able to plant his feet, you know, confidently yeah, at a stoplight. Easily, you know, adjusted by your hand. And once you get it set up, you, most guys I think that are riding around that one, they don't mess with it a bunch. Once they get their speed settings, um, their, you know, stop setting, their low speed setting, their high speed setting set up, they just kind of leave it alone. Um, again, it's one side's conventional, you know, spring f- spring shock, and the other side's an airbag or an air-assisted, you know, shock. Um, and then, you know, recently th- I've seen these this company called Bytubo that came out. They're a, a European company, I believe, too. That a, a pretty old one, I remember. Yeah, they've been around my, from for a my, while. From my teenager years yeah. uh, that they... That I heard them manufacturing shocks. Yeah, and they're they're oh, they have a Jeff Holtz got a set of those that they're putting on. I think it might be the Street Bob that we were with them. Did they just recently get into the Harley Davidson? Yeah, world? they're they're okay. getting back into the Harley Davidson world oh, or getting into the Harley Davidson world. Following suit with Wilbur's, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should offer them as well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they're I don't know all the details about there. I just saw them recently, and I'm, uh, Jeff's pretty informative on his videos. Hopefully, he puts out a good one on that one, which I'm sure he will. Um, but they're electronically adjusted uh, fork and shock from what I've seen. Um, so oh, just kind of like a teaser of what's, you know, what where these things are going. Um, it's it's just going to continue to innovate like everything yeah, else but, does. But you have to spend time as a yeah. customer and you have to go to a dealership because you can't do all, the, all this research on your own. Right. Maybe you're just lucky that you have a buddy with the same bike, the same riding style, who already did the... the uh, uh, thinking yeah. and mm-hmm. you're able to test ride a bike and say that's exactly the way I want it, and then you just go ahead and order your set in the internet on the internet and have it installed. Otherwise, it takes a lot of research and, yeah. and knowledge and experience, and you have to go to a good dealership in order to to get uh, a fair consultation. What you need, uh, what you want to spend, yeah. what's what su- uh, suits you the best. Yep. And like uh, Stefan yeah. said earlier, it's yeah. it's you got to ride it and feel it. You got to once you feel it, you'll know right away. Like the difference when you feel a bike that's well suspended and the way it feels, the way it perf- the way it you know performs, and the feedback you get, and the way the controllability of it is yeah. everything. And that's one of the things that you know Jamie is so good at is he's ridden so many bikes, yeah. so many dirt bikes, bicycles, Harley Davidson's entire life, and so he knows what's good and he knows kind of where he needs to sit on the bike, and he knows you know when he goes over a certain bump, yeah. hey, this handled it well or this didn't handle it well. Mm. However, new riders coming into the Harley Davidson world, they get on bikes and they have nothing to compare it to, and they don't really have that feel of the pants, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, to really know, okay, this is good or this isn't good, or, um, you know, this is too rough. It's not handling properly. I need to make an adjustment. Some people just might think, okay, well, this is just the way a Harley yeah. is supposed to ride. Yeah. And so unless you kind of have that, you know, compass, then, you know, you really don't know what exactly, you know, to, to look for when you're adjusting your bike. Yeah, Jamie's my friend that Stefan talks about that does all the research and knows everything <laughs> yeah, there but, is to know. But, but it's good to have such a friend. Yeah. Otherwise, you have to spend time. Just play with the with the knobs and then yeah. see what what different it make difference it makes yeah. on on the same piece of road and then see oh that's not getting better so turn, yeah. turn yeah. it back the other way and it's it's kind of an exhausting process getting getting your your special dials 
that, that you are just happy with the bike. It is, but yeah. it's time well worth it. I mean, my experience yeah. is most of these guys that when they try to do their own tuning, they'll crank everything way up, way higher than it needs to be. They'll crank yeah. all every. They'll 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 be like, well, it's on the lowest setting, so the highest setting must be better for me. Mm. But so that's not stiff. true. It's yeah. too much. You gotta got you gotta like go click by click and uh, and feel it, yeah. you know. And um, actually, the legends um, instructions they do a really great job of explaining in layman's terms, like if you're feeling pogoing, this is the problem. Your mm-hmm. you know your your rebounds too fast or whatever. If you're feeling like your suspension's wallowing the rebounds too slow or the compressions too much. They, they do a really good job. And then they tell you exactly what to do. Mm. Hey, try that. Click this clicker, you know, lower, click this clicker higher. Um, and I point that out only because not all, of, not all the manufacturers do that um, yeah. with the adjustability of their suspension. Um, and it helps from a customer standpoint, cause they don't really need to know the technology and how it all works. They just need to know how to interface with it. Yeah. They need to know how to work it, you know? So, um, that's important. And, you know, like Stefan was saying, you know, just spend it's time well spent. If you're spending, you know, 900 to a thousand dollars a copy on some shocks, um, and the same amount on, you know, undigestible cartridge front end or whatever, it's worth your money and time to spend the moments to get that thing set up for what you're trying to do with it. Yeah, like that's absolutely. why you bought it. I mean, that was, that's the only reason, that's the only good reason to buy stuff like that. Yeah, otherwise, you can just buy the sticker and put it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which happens. Exactly. Yeah, it happens too. Yeah. You know, there's, there's guys, I don't, I'm not a big guy that goes out to the track days and does track days on sport bikes, but I do know that there are like suspension guys at tracks that you roll up on your bike and he says, well, hey, you want to decrease five seconds off your lap time? Mm-hmm. Let's have you sit on your bike and I'm going to adjust your suspension for you. And I've heard so many stories of friends that have gone to the track and had their suspension adjusted mm-hmm. by a pro that does it, you know, on a day on the daily yeah. and they get on it. And it's like, wow, it's like a whole different bike. Like my bike yeah. is now a way better bike without spending a, a, you know, well, I had to spend, you know, 20 bucks with this guy or whatever. Yeah. And he dialed it in. So, you know, going back to the point we keep making, you know, going to a dealership, you know, when I, I sat on my bike, when we were adjusting the Wilbur's, you know, you have to, you have to measure things like sag when you first sit on the bike, if you sit yeah. on a motorcycle, and that motorcycle does not move, not one millimeter down, well, well, that's a problem right there. Like, mm. th- it should go down a little that's bit. And that's th- what and we that, call sag. That's a, good, that's a good point because that's a proper way to adjust preload. Sag is the right way to do it. These these click adjustments and stuff like that, it gets you in the ballpark. But, yeah. you know, and Harley doesn't really put out those, you know, numbers as far as what they want, what's potential what the best sag numbers are they just tell you they put it at this if they're this way put it here i I think they don't because on some of these street glides and road glides you know the specials that have the lower suspension like unless you weigh a fair bit like in the 200s like that bike's not going to go down (laughs) at all when you sit on that thing because it's oversprung they have have to overspring it because then you get two people on there that are heavy people you know it's going to bottom otherwise and bottoming is just about the worst thing that can happen to you i'd, I'd rather have a bike that's oversprung that's too stiff yeah than not stiff enough and i'm i'm hitting the you know the bottom of the spring every time yeah but so in the first place you want to have a bike that's beautiful yeah <laughs> here we come again and yeah. that's that's the priority that so many people have right is yeah. they want you know looks first that which is, yeah. i i never want to compromise looks either you know i'm, yeah. I'm a looks guy for sure but yeah. especially the the uh, Taller windscreen or the lower one? Oh no, I. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that. <laughs> yeah. When you, yeah, exactly. Your yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you go too big and you just kind of grandpa. Although I'm six foot six and I could definitely benefit from a taller one, but <laughs> I don't yeah. because you know I want it to look cool. But yeah. Anyways. So yeah, I mean that's 
pretty much, you know, all I had to talk about for suspension. You know, who knows where this thing's gonna go? Maybe Stefan knows. Like, what definitely the, not me. Yeah, <laughs> where the where the future leads us. I mean, think electronics coming. You know, anti dives coming. All those yeah. things that were that we see that we like that those of us that ride other motorcycles and Harleys like enjoy about the suspension on other bikes is starting to apply to Harleys too. So yeah, but uh, Harley's still a Harley. Yeah, and, that's true. Uh, when when I got the old BMW, uh, which I really tried to to freshen up, it's looking almost new. I thought of uh, what about canceling the Harley order. My, my dealership would have welcomed it if I cancelled the, the the CBO oh because yeah. they they could have sold it to someone else yeah sold yeah. it sold it to someone else, and then I took the old Road King of my friend, just for a few miles, and I, no I don't want to miss that Harley feeling it's it's something special it's yeah. slower than with other bikes, uh, the lean angle is less but the experience is in my opinion much more yeah so. And I don't want to go Harley too far with all their bikes into the electronics market. Yeah. They have to retain at least a couple of bikes for for the grandpas. Sure. I'm glad you said that, Stefan. And that's something that is the response to like 50% of the questions I get from people. And it's usually not in person. It's usually the internet people that want to know why, you know, you spend this much money for a bike that, you know, for half the price, you can get something that has more horsepower and then has better suspension. Yeah. And, and it's cheaper. Yeah, and half it's the price. Cheap. Yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah sorry, I didn't, ma- I didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. And um, and it's, it's what you said. It's kind of that unspoken thing that so many people have a hard time articulating. But it's just the beauty of the machine, the mechanical yeah. feeling, that rawness of it. And I'm the same as you, you know. You know, I got in this argument online. I try not to do that too much, but I did. And, you know, I was arguing with a guy about adjustable windshields. And um, uh-huh. I think it was like a, a guy talking about the Indian and how mm-hmm. you can move it up and down. I said, you know, I, I hope that Harley-Davidson never has an adjustable windshield, at least on their cruisers. Because it, it won't fit into the narrow design of the of the fairing. It's yeah. ugly. Yeah. It's yeah. ugly. You know, and then you got this motor in the front. And, you know, so anyways, that just kind of reiterates the point that you made about having too much electronics on these classic, beautiful, simple yeah. line bikes that once you get too much tech, it just becomes ugly. And so it's kind of like, they're, they're, the pureness and the beauty of the machine is, is a, a thing and an element that Harley Davidson does better than anybody else yeah. out there. So yeah, one of my, my one of my favorite bikes and my first bike was just a basic Sportster, like bare bones, the most barest motorcycle, barest Harley, anyways that you're ever gonna see. But there's something so beautiful about it because it's so simple. Yeah, it's so simple. There's no bells and whistles. There's not a bunch of stuff hanging off of it. The motors out there for you to see the chassis is out there for you to see yep, not covered there, up there's no hiding of it there's no cowlings or nothing there's no nothing's hidden and yep. it's super simple but it's so much fun to just get on it and ride like i don't have to worry about yeah. anything just get on yeah. it and go and that's yeah. one of my favorite bikes i still to this day when i see just a basic sports i'm like dude look at that thing man that is a mm-hmm. beautiful motorcycle work of art yeah, yeah yeah so right on guys well uh, anything else from uh, i know you traveled a long way to get here yeah, <laughs> just to get here <laughs> <laughs> no other reason no no other reason no, exactly <laughs> But um, all right, guys. Well, yeah, I appreciate you coming out, Stefan, and uh, it's been a pleasure having you. And maybe it was we'll great fun taking part here today. Yeah, yeah maybe good. we'll have, to have you on uh, future episodes and stuff. And yeah, thanks all for watching, everybody. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, make sure you rate our podcast and click that subscribe button as well. And if you're listening on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and we'll be seeing you on future episodes. Make sure you let us uh, know in the comment section what type of videos you'd like to see in the future. Yeah, you know, uh, Keith and I we're gonna I think we're gonna pick up with some more tech talk, 
next time uh, as it pertains to the stage three and four kits. Yeah, it's actually good timing because uh, if if you didn't, if those of you out there that don't know already, that Harley announced some new stage three kits this week, uh, one nineteen and yeah. one twenty two inch motors. Yeah. Um, and we don't have a lot to talk about yet on them because there's brand brand new, like two days old. We haven't installed one yet. Um, we haven't yeah, on so we're we yeah we're going to be talking about that stuff on a future future episode. Yeah, they're not California compliant yet, but they will be in the future. Um, yeah. One of the things that and kind if of they're compliant with European EPA standards, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, I'll take that as uh, as you your willingness to come back for that episode when they get compliant in Europe. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for watching, guys, and we'll see you on the next one later. See ya. See ya.